Welcome to the Small Machine Talks, a conversation about literature and art, about duende and queerness and coping and tea, border blur and misfits and community, secret places, ragged edges and whimsy. Brought to you by Angel House Press. I'm your host, Amanda Earle. Welcome to the Small Machine Talks. This is episode 107, and I am here with Nimra and Manahil Bandukwala, who are my guests today. And this is a welcome to Nimra and Manahil. Welcome. Thank you. Hi. So this is part of our uh, sort of this this year I'm doing a special kind of thread uh, topic on um, the Small Machine Talks, which is basically extra literary or um, off-page thread. So this is kind of where this started. And so, um, well, without, I'm going to put it up the websites and things like that, but uh, one of the things that uh, we're going to talk about with uh, Manahil and Nimra is their project, uh, Wraith or Registan. So that's what we're going to be talking about primarily. And that's going to be sculpturalstorytelling.com is the site. So we're going to talk about that. So I'm going to start with, um, I always say that um, I've been doing this for a while now, but I I tend not to read the bios because I'm afraid of taking up precious time. So I I like to ask um, each participant, each guest to tell us a little bit about themselves, what they'd like listeners to know about you. So let's start with uh, Nimra, since she's new to the show, because Manahil has been on the show already in 2018, which was lovely to have, but that was when we were doing it in person. So now we're on Zoom, so things are a little different. But uh, so let's start with Nimra. What would you like listeners to know about you, Nimra? Hi, so my name is Nimra, and I am a Pakistani visual artist and maker of crafts using forged and found materials. Uh, And more recently, I've been creating sculptures, paints, natural dyes um, with plants and rocks while exploring the stories and histories of these materials. Um, And I also facilitate community-engaged art workshops with folks of all ages and abilities. Uh, And I really do believe that art making is a collaborative process that everyone should have access to. Uh, I'm also an occupational therapist and I work with kids and adults um, with different uh, needs and abilities. Uh, and I am one half of Ruth Oregistan. Perfect. Thanks a lot. That was really interesting. I, I mean, I, I didn't know about you being an occupational therapist, who I don't, I, we're just getting to know one another now. So this is our first conversation. Great. And Manahil? Yeah. Hi, I'm Manahil. Um, I'm also Pakistani. Um, I'm a visual artist, writer, and editor. Uh, I guess I should say Nimra and I were sisters. Um, I'm younger by two years. Um, We grew up kind of very close, always making art together. Um, Been making art um, like probably my whole life, I would say. Writing is a bit newer i started a bit in 2017 so when i was on the podcast in 2018 that was like really right at the beginning of my journey um since then uh in 2022 i published my first poetry collection um and uh yeah just lots lots happening um in my writing life that you can find out about in other places 
That's right. Well, I, as I say, I'm gonna I'm gonna have uh, everyone's uh, I'm gonna have links on the on the uh, on the show notes on smallmachinetalks.com. Manahil, I first met Manahil through Inwards, uh, seeing her, seeing you when you came to uh, the well, the you were in, in the first early open mic. I think you were doing mm-hmm. at um, at the Clock Tower Pub. So that yeah. was my first. That was my first experience with you. That was that was that must have been about 2017 or 2018, something like that. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> How time goes. So yeah, the the project that we're talking about. Thanks, uh, Manahila and uh, Nimra. The project that we're talking about is called Wraith or Registan. And also from that project, there's been a book which is forthcoming from Mwenzi House in September called Women Wide Awake. So I would like to know um, what you would like listeners to know about Wraith, Wraith or or Registan and Women Wide Awake. Maybe first Nimra and then Manahil, since we've been going Nimra first and then Manahil for now. <laughs> Yeah, so Reitha Registan, which translates to Sand and Desert, is a multidisciplinary project that Manahil and I started in 2019. Um, and the, the project explores folklore and storytelling through sculpture and poetry and workshops. Um, we particularly we explored this storytelling from Sindh, which is where we grew up, but we also explore stories off um, the land that we are on and all the various cultures and people that live on this land. Um, so with Reitha Registan, we have done a lot of different things. We've held um, community art workshops. We uh, have created a website which has a lot of resources on Sindhi folklore and folklore from Pakistan. Um, and very recently in June, actually, we had a two week artist residency with Jumbly's Theatre and Art in Toronto. And it was a community engaged art residency where we had lots of different um, community art drop-ins, workshops. Um, we had the a community choir singing um, some of the songs that are related to the project. Uh, and had a finale event. So that was that was really fun. Uh, and then as as mentioned, we also have uh, we did actually publish a chat book uh, yeah. last year with Rahila's Coast Press, um, looking at creatures, like supernatural creatures that um, from Synth. But we have a book forthcoming, which Manahal will talk more about. Yeah. Yeah, the book is called Women Wide Awake. Um, and as Amanda mentioned, it's out with Moenzi House in September. Um, and in the book is a collection of a lot of the stories that we found in Sindh. Um, during our research, uh, before we started, we honestly don't really know what kinds of stories we were, you know, going to find. We, and when we did, um, something we found was a lot of the stories featured women um, as like the main character. Um, the the stories kind of were about their their bravery their resilience but also in in some cases uh like the mistakes that they make and that was that drew us um to them and that ended up becoming um a pretty important theme that emerged out of the book um so it yeah the in the book we have reach our retellings of the stories Mm-hmm. Um, poems that interpret just different uh, characters, scenes, motifs, um, and photographs of sculptures that we've made with found and forged materials that, similar similar to the poems, dive into kind of a specific aspect. Um, and the sculptures are made with uh, both the uh, materials that we collected uh, from our house in Karachi and 
in Karachi and um, as well as ones that we found in our backyard in um, Mississauga. Uh, and I think just from our from our various adventures, um, because we both just love foraging. Right. And I should add that, yeah, we did, um, we spent uh, some months in Pakistan in 2019, where we, yeah. we researched, uh, like we interviewed different people uh, in Karachi and also in Interior Sindh. We visited different sites that had significance to these stories. Um, we did some archival research as well. And um, then coming back here also, we spoke with different people because there's such a big Pakistani community in Canada as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what we like. You are used to build up the stories, and it was just it was fun visiting sites where they actually like the stories actually took place. Um, and yeah, coming back and writing it, it, we were able to just sort of think about what it would be like to be one of those uh, one of those figures from the story there, and and reimagine and rework from there. Yeah, it's really great. I, I um, I've um, been quite interested since I think since early on, since you've been working on mm-hmm. the project. It's just it seemed like a mammoth undertaking to me too. Like there's so many aspects of it. That yeah, just seem. And I was looking at on the on the uh, sculpturalstorytelling.com site. There's actually um, uh, a lot of great material there, including resources and mm-hmm. also articles. What interested me too about about your research process is that you've talked to all kinds of different people. You you talked to musicians, archaeologists, dancers, all kinds of uh, Sufi dancer, all, all kinds of different people. What was it like having those conversations about these like these stories? Did you just kind of, uh, I guess, when you were in Pakistan, did you just sort of say, oh, uh, do you know anything about uh, folklore, or did something appear make you go to specific people and? How did you basically talk more about your research process? It would be great. I guess since Manahil is on my screen, we'll we'll start with you, Manahil. <laughs> um, yeah, well, we we wanted to interview uh, just like a range of people because of the way that folklore um, exists and is alive in Pakistan. Um, you know, like a lot of the stories, they're they're shared through song. Um, you know, there there's dance performed to them. It's very in itself is very multi-genre and very multidisciplinary. Um, in a lot of the stories, they uh, the sites where they take place exist. So that's where like the archaeology comes in. Um, and just all of all of those dimensions uh, were really important for us to explore. And even in, in the project itself is multidisciplinary with the, the sculptural aspect, visual yeah. art, um, the poetry. So that was the dimension that we wanted uh, to go into it with. Um, yeah, did Nimra, did you want to talk about the kind of how we found the people? Yeah, yeah so Manaha and I, we grew up in Karachi and we, we moved to Canada in, um, 2014 when we were, we were I was 19, Manaha was 17. So we, you know, we had, um, still like a lot of contacts and connections there and family, friends and, um, our grandmother and aunt and dad are really well connected. So we started with just some of their contacts. And then, um, you know, whoever we interviewed would say, oh, you're interested in this. I know some, like if, for example, Uri Bazhar was a musician, we interviewed him and he said, okay, I, I've uh, worked and collaborated with some um, this person who lives here. And then that we went to Pitsha and we met, um, Fakir Smile, who um, 
sing Sufi music and the Sufi kalams in um, the shrine of Shab Al-Tipitai. And then, you know, he connected us to other people as well. So it was just, people are just very open to sharing. Um, sometimes it was a little tricky to, like we visited this one community, um, a Jogi community in the Tharbarker Desert. Uh, and they, they're very traditional, like oh, ancient community. Um, they are, they work with snakes. They're very close to snakes. And I remember asking them about folklore and it was interesting because I, I think that we, we didn't really get the answers we were expecting because it's such an integrated part of their life. Um, and you know, they told us about the snakes and how they give their children, um, a little bit of snake venom when they're young so that they are resistant to the point like they were just telling us about their lives but that was fine like some yeah. conversations were just that where we're just learning about people's lives and other other conversations people like told us full stories so it was really a mix of different conversations and we let it we tried not to structure it too much and just learn yeah, that makes sense. The, I mean, you need to you need to leave space for surprise, right? You want to make sure you mm -hmm. have. Yeah, and definitely. I mean, I've had a chance too to um, look at the PDF of the uh, of Women Wide Awake. Mm -hmm. It's just so beautiful. I mean, I I have a note of praise later, but I just love all of it. The sculpture, sculptures, and the art, the poems and stories. I I, I certainly didn't know any anything as as a a person uh, uh, who is not uh, South Asian, I, I knew nothing about any of this. So for me, it was a revelation. So uh, yeah, it was really, really wonderful. Uh, speaking too of the sculptures, uh, and you talked about the um, art that is um, made of materials, uh, both from the natural world, but also things like um, wedding invitations and different things. I was wonder wondering if you can talk about, first of all, why you decided you wanted to use found materials and also um, why, um, you know, uh, can you talk about the process of foraging for materials in both Pakistan and Canada? So, uh, Manahil, since you're, you're the big one on my screen now, so that's the one I'm asking to talk. <laughs> yeah, I think um, why, why find materials um, is, is such an interesting question. We grew up um like in a you know in a house with our parents our grandparents and our grandmother just saved everything you know she would save all of the wedding invitations um with her saris and and dupattas like once they tore you know it would be something she'd give to us to make something with so it's been an art form to use that word that we've been uh been working with uh you know since we were young there's a uh, versatility and uh dynamism to to find materials where similar to you know when you hear a story you don't um you don't know what you're going to expect and you can be surprised i think the materials function in a similar way where you don't um you let the materials guide you a bit in what you want to create um the memories that each of them carry just make them um i think just make them again like very very fun to work with like there's a sculpture that has um a bit of uh the kind of excess from our aunt's like wedding outfit and you know or sculptures that integrate um shells that we collected like on the beach in karachi um the yeah, yeah. to add to that it also just i think ma found materials they hold a sense of time 
that if you just go and buy an art materials from Michaels, like you mm -hmm. won't find that. And just to give you an example, um, you know, when we went back to our house in Prati, which our grandmother was still living in, um, we kind of went through things. We were just looking at different things that we might want to use. Uh, one of the things we found was this old map that was my aunt's when she was in school. And it was a map of the world, but then it also had, you know, a maps, detailed maps of Pakistan, and it was scribbled in and, you know, the book was all rip ripping. But we used that to depict a story that, uh, the story of Murillo and the Magamaj. Uh, and that is a very ancient story that uh, apparently took place in what Karachi is now. So it's just interesting, you, we get to play with time. We have this ancient story and then we have this material that's that we use to cut out the body of the crocodile. Um, and the materials again probably like decades old and then we're here today and that's just like magical to be able to do that and to to feel that with what we make yeah thanks thanks Nimra that that's uh lovely I saw that I saw that uh, uh photo of this sculpture with the map in the book and I was I was enchanted by that especially I love the idea of old maps and things like that being repurposed in that way so it's, it's really interesting yeah that's great um Manahil, I first learned about your travels back to Pakistan when you wrote Border Poem with Sanawani, because you did this email correspondence mm -hmm. poem and you, because you couldn't meet because you were in Pakistan and, and Sana was in Kashmir uh, uh, and there was a, a political curfew going on. And I love that. It was, it was a really uh, wonderful thing to read. And you write in Border Poem, I have been asking Pakistanis what folklore they know and each story that's the same is as different as the person who tells it. What Sony wore when she swam across the river to meet Mahiwal, what river she swam across, whether it was Mumul or Sumul who built a palace of illusions to trap princes, what kind of necklace tempted, tempted Lila to give Chinazar to another woman, if Sasui truly walked across the deserts of Sindh and Baluchistan to find Panhun. Can you talk about wanting to learn more about the folklore of Pakistan? And as first-generation immigrants, did you hear these stories from your family, Manahil? Um, yeah, it, that uh, it's it's funny that to hear that you encountered um, the project through that poem, which at the time felt like a very, uh, very kind of separate piece. Yeah. But it was that was what life was like. We were researching for the project at that time. Um, we didn't really grow up hearing um, like too many of these stories. Um, like there's some with with the supernatural creatures, like that was something we did hear more of um but in terms of the the longer folk tales that you read in women wide awake um that that was not um really like a, a family kind of thing that was passed down um i mean we grew up going to like in you know english language school and karachi is very it's just full of people um from everywhere Right. Uh, and that, that was just what I think sparked our interest in this project where we, we felt like we knew Western uh, fairy tales so well and we just didn't know um, didn't know the ones from the place where we grew up. Um, and we just we wanted to find out more. Right. Yeah. And I, I just want to add that for listeners that might not know too much about Karashi and how multicultural it is. Mm -hmm. it, yeah. In um, just like a little bit of history. But um, 
the the subcontinent, which is what's now India, Pakistan, and Bangladesh, was um, under British rule for many hundreds, like many um, centuries, and then there um, there was this push, guess uh, starting in the 1800s and the 1900s to create a separate Muslim state, um, and that uh, ended up, and the British supported this partition of India and Pakistan. Um, and there was a lot of resistance to that as well, because that region just has so many different cultures and communities um, and languages and traditions. Um, but in 1947, they were separated. Um, and then there was probably yeah the biggest mass migration in history of um, Hindus moving from what's now to Pakistan to India and vice versa, um, Muslims moving from what's now India to Pakistan. And um, so our grandparents were part of that. And so we're Gujarati speaking, like we're not Sindhi. And even though we lived and grew up in the province of Sindh, we don't speak Sindhi um, and had very little exposure to Sindhi culture. Um, so I, I think this project was just especially significant because even though our ancestry is more Gujarati speaking and um, we're part of the Daudi Bora community, we were learning about the place that we live in and called home. Um, and yeah, still call home. So it just has many layers of just meaning and identity. And yeah, it, it's, it was, that's why like we didn't hear these stories and probably a lot of people who aren't Sindhi don't. Um, so yeah, just made it exciting to learn more about them. Thanks, Nimra, and, and thanks, Manahil, too. Uh, one thing I'm noticing is and, and something I, I, I noticed just even in this interview is you both uh, you both working so well together, even for the interview. So I, and I, I wanted to ask you about what it's like to work together. Well, what I mean is that, you know, you're 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 taking turns. You're not really interrupting each other as much as I I interrupt everybody all the time and I'm not related to them. So so usually so. Um, I don't speak to a lot of the people I'm related to, so that's a whole different thing. But uh, so what is it like working together? And especially on this project, have you always gotten along or are there sometimes tensions? I know you also did the, uh, we didn't talk about it, but the uh, the earlier collaboration was Backyard Worlds. And so um, you, you saw, are there sometimes tensions? We, we always wanna know the uh, those kind of like uh, conflict details, you know, for the show apparently. Uh, do you have similar visions or do you have to compromise based on each other's visions? Uh, Nimra, I guess we'll ask you for, since you're smiling. So, well, so is Manahel. But I, mean, I think we both will have our little bit to share <laughs> yeah. about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's, uh... Yeah, even growing up, we played with each other and then we'd fight over things and then we'd play with each other. And I just feel like that's similar. Like we play, we make art, and then we might get frustrated about certain things, but then we kind of figure it out and move on. Like I I think it's been a really um, collaborative process where both of us have been equally invested in the project, like emotionally and even in terms of, because um, to, to we we've applied for multiple grants we've had to coordinate so much like so much happens behind the scenes beside from art making um and i just think it's been a very um like organic process um sometimes like our personal lives have just needed or professional like professional lives have needed more um more time and it's put a pause on things like Manahan and i both when we started the project in 2019, we both actually did our masters 
2020 to 2022. Um, <laughs> that definitely slowed things down. But I think, yeah, overall, it's, it's been great. <laughs> I can't complain. Thanks. Dima. Yeah, I think uh, just like to add to that. Um, yeah, like there's, there's definitely a lot of a lot of things that put, you know, roadblocks in the way, like in 2019, um, I was still living in Ottawa. Yeah. And so like that first part of the project, like the writing, I mean, you know, I was doing in Ottawa, like we'd have like very long phone calls to, to edit. <laughs> um, you know, we had to like squeeze in sculpture and art making when I like came back to visit and and just circumstances like that like made it it, it made it such that we both had to want to put that time in. Right. And even, you know, during our masters, like applying for grants and kind of just keeping our out for uh, any opportunities like that. I think, you know, as as um, most artists will know, like the grant world is very, <laughs> it's strange and vast and it, it sometimes is just, yeah, looking for opportunities and, you know, meeting deadlines that don't always work with your own um uh, that that in investment that we have that just just kind of comes from like we like and believe in what we're doing and making, um, and that just allows the the mammoth task of this that we set out to do uh, to actually come to fruition. Um, you know, it it is yeah, just funny that you mentioned that like when we started the project four years ago and now like four years later the things that we wanted to accomplish with it are have happened or are in the process of happening i think um it's just yeah a bit of a testament to the yeah the the working relationship and i, I do want to add that it really helps to firstly like be each other's accountability buddy mm -hmm. i don't think i'd be able to do a project like this on my own um and also that we have quite complementary skill sets mm -hmm. because Manahal is much more connected with the writing world and is very good at writing, which is a useful skill for grant writing um, and report writing. And um, website but, writing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, and, and then my skills are more in the visual, like I've done some photography stuff, which was useful for um, photographing the sculptures. Um, I have a little bit more experience in the art world and some more connections. So I'm able to, um, like we just uh, are, and especially now when our big, the chunks that we done are finished. I mean, we have like a exhibit that next year, which is exciting. And then our book launch, and then we're going to be planning some um, various book launch events. So I think it's uh, so like, again, and I think when it becomes challenging, like we might change what we're doing or you know, if it has to come to a finish, we'll let that happen. Yeah. But we're just following what feels right at the moment. <laughs> Thanks, Nimra. Yeah, I mean, it helps that you had a shared vision about the project. Like, it's not like one of you wanted to do folklore and the other one wanted to just like do, I don't know, something completely different or something. So you had you had a shared vision. Which yeah, and I, I think that, you know, comes from like, you know, growing up, like we were always just always together like our experiences of Karachi like they're not obviously the same but they're just they're very similar in you know um how we yeah how we grew up in the city how we view it our, our younger we have a younger sister who's 
eight years younger than me and 10 years younger than Nimra and her experience is so different. Um, so that, that shared, um, that shared outlook, I think makes a huge difference in what, uh, what our vision for the project is. And even using the word vision feels a bit strange just because <laughs> I don't, I don't know if we, ever like thought about it in like that formal um terminology it was more organic maybe in a way right it's, it's, it seemed to come out of just maybe need and and sort of desire to make this to, to do this so mm -hmm. that, i get that i get that vision is a word for a grant right? <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's right um and I think it's interesting because like we started this project, I would say, when we were young and played and made our own imaginary worlds, right? So, like before there was any mm -hmm. language for it. And now we're yeah. just translating it into grant language yeah. or <laughs> words. That's really interesting that when you were young, you were you were basically you it sounds like both of you had really good imagination. So so that's a good that's a nice uh that's uh, uh, imagination is always uh, my best friend. So that's good. Yeah, it, 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 I think like Karachi is a place that, you know, as, as kids, sometimes in the summers, for example, it's hard to be outside because it's so hot. Um, and a lot of like play is just was within the home and um, like our mom was really involved in kind of enriching our play when we were young. And um, we did a lot of art camps and creative writing camps. Yeah. And we like did a that. lot of like, I don't know, like you know, I remember once we like transformed like the guest room in our house into a shop or oh. <laughs> like there's just a lot of um, a lot of like fun and weird things like that that we would get up to. That's great. And you had you had uh, parents who were supportive of your of your doing that. So mm -hmm. that's that's good, too. That's not always the case. <laughs> I still remember when I was, I used to, I used to make up a lot of stories when I was a kid and my mother said I was lying. So you know, like, she got better about, about that later, but uh, she also had a pretty good imagination. Yeah, I think we found like recently um, a book that my mom had tr transcribed that like Manahal orally told when she was six, Manahal wow. orally repeat this story and it was like a book. It was like a journal filled with my mom's writing and my mom's like yeah she dictated the whole thing and made me write it down that's adorable that's fantastic do you remember what it was about <laughs> it was about fairies nice. each one had their own like color and gemstone associated with them and yeah i can get into that i i would read that book sounds like a bestseller so i think you put it out um i think i did give a copy to the school library or like to the librarian you were so proud um, great that's great well it sounds like you were already interested in making books at an early age and your mother was encouraging and, and supportive and enabling of that yeah. that's quite wonderful yeah and, and I mean, just just to go back to like the research, you know, that family support like it has been instrumental in being able to do this project mm -hmm. and um, just just being able to, you know, show up in Karachi and like and start this kind of research. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know how we would have kind of gotten those balls rolling otherwise. One of the things that comes up, both I, I noticed it in Women Wide Awake, but I had already noticed it in um, 
in the um in the the poem the correspondence with with uh mm-hmm. uh Santa was the um was this issue that was not an issue but the importance of of metaphor like you you um in in the in the border poem Manaho you write thank god we have metaphors how else could our energies intertwine which I love that, by the way. That's how else could our energies intertwine? That was so fantastic. And Sani responds: Metaphors carry us toward each other, and I am grateful. There is no pine here, and the chinar doesn't really have a scent. But let the pine scent become my skin. Then let me offer you my hand. Let this be my way of saying hello. Uh, I am here. I am waiting for you. And I see metaphors, and as I said, in stories, poems, and art in your work. So. Um, uh, Manahil, what do you think? Why do you think metaphor is important in your work, and how does it translate into the art? We can, I think, we can both talk. About, we we can all talk about. Well, both of you. I don't have yeah. to talk about it in my own, but you you can both talk about it. So I'll start yeah. with you. Yeah, I, I think. Um, I mean, all of these, all of these stories, like there's, you know, on, on one level, the the plot of them, what they what they say, and then there's what they kind of tell us about. Um, not just who the people in the stories were, but also I think, you know, who who we are and, you know, what um what we can look at and almost adopt in our in our lives. Um I can remember when we were in uh Picha at the shrine of Shabda Latif Pitai, uh speaking with Fakir Muhammad Ismail. Um he was telling us about the story of Sony, which is one of the more um one of the more popular folk tales, and I think one that we we did know when we were growing up there. And in this story, Sony um, is is separated from her lover across a river, and every night she swims on a baked clay pot across the river. She can't swim, so she needs something to to float. Um, to yeah, to float on. Um, and when uh when Fakir Smile was telling us the story, it's just it's so interesting because he's saying um you know most people wouldn't wouldn't go into this like raging river during the day and here's sony going in the dead of night um there's no light like she doesn't know what's in the water and she's going anyways and he said um there's something so beautiful uh if there's strength in the world it is a woman and i think you know that that's kind of what that what that story what that story says and what what we can take from it um which i hope that answered yeah. what what you're asking or going for yeah and i can add to that and other stories because metaphor is huge in folk tales like cindy folk tales everywhere we went you know that different people interpret it in different ways but just for example it's a lot of stories where you have a lover and the beloved mm-hmm. but and that often actually symbolizes um, the, it might be just the relationship between a person and um, like a sense of spirituality or God. It could be um, like a physical person, like physical person, another physical person. Just the, it, for me, I interpreted it also as just that relationship between um, myself and could be like passions or dreams or th- things that I really love. So I, I I think that even though you know there there are all these love stories, I, there's definitely a deeper metaphor for um, whatever the reader would like it to be. And in in sin that typically is like union with God and union with the divine. 
Um, and from a Sufi sense, like that divine could be many. It doesn't have to be like the God of Islam, Allah, but it could be like lots, any if any kind of um, divine. Right, right. No, that's good. Yes, uh, thanks, Nimr and Manahil. Yeah, you you answered my question just fine. That was that was good. That was good. Um, so you just a little earlier, Nimr, you mentioned an exhibition coming up next year. Can, can you say anything more about that at this point, or is it too early for you to talk about? Because I don't want to forget to ask you about it uh, later. So. Yeah. So we did have an exhibit in um, June. That was the one we did with. Uh, the, as part of the residency. So it will be exhibiting similar things. Um, actually, we'll be doing uh, in on September 10th at the Ahan Museum. Uh, well, it's September 10th, right? Yeah. 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 Um, we'll be part of a book, uh, like Moenzi is doing kind of a book launch with Muslim writers. So we'll be part of that and we'll be exhibiting some of the works there. Um, mm -hmm. We've made this large manna tree with paper mache that people can tie their hopes and wishes onto. Um, and then though, again, those similar things will be exhibited um, in Guelph. It's, uh, it's a community arts organization. I, I don't have the exact details yet, but yeah, it'll be kind of um, win early next year. And, and, and I get, thanks. Another question is, um, do you I, I guess you I guess you've been working with paper mache a lot. I really love those. Um, they're they're really charming, all the paper mache stuff too. That's so very cool. <laughs> yeah, okay. So um I was gonna ask you too, we've talked a little bit about these different uh, aside from sharing the events, I mean sharing the work on your site and also in the forthcoming book, and you have these artist residencies where you have people make their own art related to the stories, which is really cool, uh, the folk tales. Uh, what made you decide to do, do this? And you uh, can you talk about uh, why the act of sharing the stories is important to you? Yes, uh, Nimra, since you're, I'm looking at you right now. Yeah, sorry, so what made us do this in terms of the workshops or the project? I like the workshop, how did you, like basically the ways of sharing the work, which is, yeah, the workshops, residencies, the, um, yeah, I, I think like for both of us that uh, sharing and learning from others is so important and we kind of had that in our mind throughout the project where we're learning stories from our communities but we'd love to inspire others to learn stories from their culture and backgrounds and then also alongside that like explore the fact that stories are um like the what defines and doesn't define folklore it it's it's very uncertain right and so even just personal stories that are passed down um or something that someone hears and shares with someone else and then someone else and it's passed around like that could be like a modern folklore um so i think with these stories we wanted to just like both bring our project but then create a space for people to do their own exploration and creation um, and again, go back and use materials that maybe their grandparents gave them. Um, and it was it was lovely to see how that did happen in the residency. Like I, uh, this one woman came up, I'd never met her before, but she um, said how she's inspired to, um, she makes origami art, she was Japanese, and she was inspired to explore some of the folk tales and interpret them through her art farm um and just things like that so and I, and I think like we all have stories to share um 
and sharing them just brings us closer to each other um, and creates, it's just a way of connecting. Mm -hmm. And we kept seeing that time and again in our workshops um, where we had like circles, story, story circles, where maybe one of us started with something and then we opened it up for other people to share. And people have lots when you ask them yeah. to tell these stories. They have so many. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think also the residency um, at Jumblies, like the, it's on um, Fort York Boulevard in Toronto, which is, it's a very main street. There's a lot of people walking by and we'd set up um, some of our sculptures in the window there. So if you're walking from outside, you can see. And um, we also had like a, a big poster up. Um, the residency was called Manat, uh, which kind of translates to a hope or a wish or a prayer and we had it in Urdu as well and we just had Pakistanis walking by and kind of walk in uh, because we left the door open when we we're working in there you know asking what like what's happening here we don't usually like see um, yeah you just don't see this um, all that much um, and and yeah, for like connecting with them, like over these over these stories, like whether they were from Karachi or from other places in Pakistan. That's great. That must have been really lovely too when people came mm -hmm. in and wanted to know more, especially if they were Pakistani as well. That's that's really great. Yeah, I love that. I wish I, I wish I was there walking by and could have come in <laughs> or just been even seen uh, things. This is the problem with having distance between Ottawa mm -hmm. and Toronto. I always I have so many things I want to do and so many people I want to see in Toronto, but an area. But I, you know, I'm here and I don't uh, I can't always get away. And it's too expensive for me to go too much. But yeah, you understand that, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in Women Wide Awake, you included notes on the timeline and a, and place in a small section mm -hmm. called History. For uh, so why do you think this context is important for the reader? Manaya, since you're here. Yeah, uh, I think you know just it was part of um, something that emerged during our research um, with uh, just the fact that like uh, most of the stories we were exploring have specific sites that they took place uh, at and there are archaeological um, kind of remnants or remains there or like there's graves if the you know the women in the stories um, we we visited for example the um, archaeological site of Bambor where you know we could we could see the the features um, of the story in there um we we went near to um, Kinjar Lake we couldn't actually go um, out into the middle uh, because of the rain level at the time. But in the middle of this lake is the the grave of Nuri, another one of the women in the stories. Um, and, you know, today, like uh, people in the area will go and uh, kind of offer manat at the grave of Nuri. And I, I think that's just it's something that distinguishes the, the folklore and the folk stories that we found. Um, and it was important uh, to share that, you know, these aren't just um, kind of stories that sprung from like from nowhere. They they have um, a living a living history and a living folklore, um, so to say. The yeah, like the time is something that it it contextualizes when they took place. Um, and you know, if people are interested, it is something where 
they can go and, and visit the sites um, with the map that we included, the uh, geological features, like they show up in the stories a lot. So it's just interesting to see how they intersect and how they how they travel. And in some cases also how they, um, they aren't uh, kind of limited by the border between India and Pakistan. They're stories that, you know, take place on other the other side of the border and that um that kind of line that was drawn in 1947 is is just it's very new compared to um how old these stories are did you have anything to add Nimra or for that I mean I think uh, Manal did mention this but the landscape and how like kind of tying story to physical place also ties it to land and the importance of that land and um it's it's very again distinct from maybe western folk tales mm -hmm. where they might not be tied to a specific place maybe there were once but with these like um that act of pilgrimage a lot of like people will go visiting the different sites and again that sense of um just how deep spirituality is in synth because people just have so much respect and reverence and turn to these stories for spiritual support um and especially women so i think it's it just makes it just gives them another dimension to have this uh connection to place yeah, no, I I thought it was really a really good detail, and sometimes the the, the place isn't exactly known, or the time isn't exactly mm -hmm. known. That's part of uh, researching, right? Like part of part of part of a, a um, just a, a culture and a history. You don't know, you can't know everything. Some things have been erased. That's one of the reasons why your project is important, I think, too, because it brings everything together in this way, and it almost like it does provide some as well as being very entertaining it also is providing information too. Mm -hmm. yeah and we'd love like you know we were limited with what we could do because there's so many reasons like we can't get a visa to go to India and go explore <laughs> some of the places there and so you know we we found what we could on the internet but um like if someone in the future wants to explore these further and like go visit the sites and talk to people and just a much more um it's like in in that way i mean i think this would be a, a good place to start <laughs> hopefully yeah. yeah no that's really interesting um i have this long thing here that i'm going to skip over this <laughs> right now okay uh so um i wondered about sort of the process of um what came first sometimes i guess i guess the probably mm -hmm. the story came first but then like how, were you sort of working on everything at the same time like you you heard the story and then and then you started to write it sort of in your own words and then the poem and then this the the sculptures like how did that work like how did mm -hmm. how did things inspire one another manahil let's see yeah so i mean the the research i think was kind of its own thing like we were you know in in pakistan and like that was what we were doing um when we came back to canada we we had just all of this sort of raw information um, and had to like sit through it and, you know, synthesize it, um, which is what like the research articles that we've shared on our website are. Um, like there's transcripts, um, yeah, bits of interviews that we conducted, like pictures from our field visits. And I think from, from there, like we, you know, 
sat and started thinking like what what are the common themes between these stories like how would we want to to pull them together um the um first section of women wide awake um shares the stories of the seven queens of Shabdalatif Pitai. Um, they aren't literal queens, like they're, they're seven women um, who the Sufi saint uh, Shabdalatif Pitai, um, whose stories he collected in his um, kind of seminal work, the Shah Jirgasalo. And uh, yeah, they're very influential in Sindh and Sindhi folklore. And so that, that was, for example, important for us to gather in there there's a section on stories from Karachi which you know is the place where we grew up like that was definitely something we wanted to have in there um so we we I think started with an idea of you know what what we wanted um we have some um some stories of saints just because of how influential they are um on the folklore of sin um with yeah with um do you want to talk about the making the sculptures I think it was it was a bit of a, a jumble um, yeah I think with what we did is we're, we're like okay we have this story yeah. and then we had a little whiteboard and we would and paper and we would just sketch different ideas and then we would think okay what materials do we have so sometimes we sketched it first and then okay we want to do this kind of drawing and we can do this with wedding invitations and make a flat piece sometimes it was the material itself that came first. For example, we had this little pot that was from, that we had in our house. It was just a small clay pot. And we're like, this is great for Sony's story. Why don't we make a sculpture around this? So then we made a little clay figurine and we made, made it wear a sari and fabric um, and we added the water. So some of it was more top down and some was more bottom up. Yeah. And it was in phases. We did kind of one round of sculptures. Like Manahal said, she, this was, I mean, she wasn't, we weren't physically in the same place. Um, so our first phase was over the winter. And then when COVID happened, Manahal moved back to Mississauga and we were in the same place. So we were able to just spend more time um, creating. Uh, and then we, like we had our, we were kind of simultaneously doing sculptures and writing. Um, and then Manahal wrote the poems, but we did a lot of heavy editing where um, we just went through each poem, each story, and I would give lots of feedback. <laughs> writing is writing, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I also noticed like sometimes some details would be in the story and some others would be in the poem and then they would be highlighted mm -hmm. in the culture too and sometimes there was a change too like if the story was in the third person the poem might be in the first person so mm -hmm. that it felt like it felt like a kind of a balance between everything like there was a and there were like there was a necklace made of uh, of orange peel for the ones mm -hmm. I mean there's just so many yeah I, I think we we kind of let what stood out to us most um in each story guide what we wanted to do with the you know with the sculptures and I think that and with the poems and and that just it allowed us to you know be excited about what we were creating what we were writing um and yeah just like what what fascinated us um is is what what you see come through 
Yeah, that's it. Well, I just want to, uh, because I only saw the, I, I have the PDF of, of Women Wide Awake, and but for the for the photographs of the sculptures, I just want to touch everything. Like, they're so tactile, right? They're so gorgeous. Yeah, and, and they're also, I should say, like, they're quite small in a lot yeah. of cases. Um, so that with, with, like, having the residency and that exhibition, it was just fun to be able to show the scale uh, that these sculptures were on. Because, um, yeah, I don't think that's necessarily... Um, obvious uh, in the in the photographs unless you you know you're like oh this is a it's a pistachio shell so yeah. based on that like the sculpture is is going to be this big yeah no that was great uh what's has the reception for the work been like and what do your parents think more importantly okay Manahil since you're uh, I mean I I think it's it's just been more than we you know could have honestly imagined um just a lot of yeah like a lot of um people you know who who have expressed like their support in this um i think you know it's a project that um has been for us going on for so long in 2023 with the residency it was really the first time i think that uh, most of the work that we'd been doing behind the scenes was now like in the public setting and you know people like who maybe heard just bits and pieces of it, uh, were able to to kind of actually see what we were doing. Um, yeah, just like, you know, so much support from like family and friends. Our aunt like flew to Canada to, you know, come to the residency um, and, and support us there. Like we had friends come in from like Mississauga to Toronto for the workshops. Um, yeah. And I think it's been nice because it's but like the Pakistani community has really been um, supportive, but then also mm -hmm. just a lot of creatives and artists yeah. who also want to explore their own uh, like mediums using stories. And yeah, there's just been a, an array of different kinds of people who have been interested. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. A lot of women, <laughs> which are not surprised. Yeah. Uh, women identifying folks but yeah and how about your parents how are they they must be pretty proud of you at this point <laughs> always anyway <laughs> yeah I think they are but I also think they're just like so used to us yeah. talking about it at the dinner yeah. table right. all we, the time you know the first time we did a round of sculptures like it was in the living room of our you know of, of the house so that like they were just there throughout yeah. and Maybe I mean they're really proud, and they they yeah. came to all our events, and you know yeah. they invited friends, and um they've like definitely been such a huge support. But I think um, they show their appreciation not verbally, but just like being present. Right. <laughs> yeah, like you know for for materials for the residency actually because we had we brought over some things from um Rachi, like our you know grandmother's like saris and dupattas, but this uh it was happening on a much larger scale than we had materials for so i mean our mom like messaged her friends on whatsapp groups and you know they they gave a lot of things um that we we ended up using for the you know for draping on the ceiling and wall um of the ground floor space uh so i think you know in in that way like we always know that we can rely on them for whatever yeah whatever we whatever we kind of need 
That's great. Well, it's a, it feels to like a real act of community, what you're doing, like like sharing the stories, passing things on, including things from the community, and, you know, their, their, their own treasured items in the, in the sculptures. I mean, the whole thing just is so, it's such a positive and, and, and generative uh, thing. So I'm, I'm really impressed with it. I have more to say about, more praise to give you soon, but uh, I just, yeah. So two years after you completed the manuscript, Pakistan was hit with some of the worst flooding it has seen in its history, mm -hmm. Sindh being one of the provinces most affected. And you continue to collect and donate funds for the rehabilitation effort. So um, I will share in the show notes, if you have a specific link to an organization for those who want to donate, I will uh, share it. And if not, we can just uh, share something. But uh, do you have any link in mind, anything? Yeah, I can just share a little bit about yeah. <laughs> the floods there because the thing is, like every August, um, usually August, Karate, that region is just hit by monsoon rains and it's just been getting particularly bad every year. And last year was really devastating. Like Karachi is still all right, but some of the like more rural areas around Sindh and other provinces as well um, was severely hit. And the issue is now this year we're approaching august soon and chances are that there will be floods again and there will be a lot of like because people still haven't recovered from what's happened last year um and there's just almost like compounded um damage that's done because of these floods so yeah we are we haven't really done um like sold much yet because our project has been funded by grants but we're hoping with our book um to give like a percentage of uh, proceeds to the flood efforts and really kind of see what's happening this year, whether it's because last year it was a mix of medical relief. It was like uh, just supports for mothers. It was um, support for actually building materials, building things, food, uh, different various different things. So we do have a few different organizations in mind, like some of the more general ones, which we can um, share with you after. Okay. Okay. We'll we'll do that. I want to make sure we uh, we we'll put them in the show notes as well. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else you'd like to add before I I read my note of praise that I do at the end of some episodes? <laughs> well, just thank you so much for reaching yeah. out to us and for your thoughtful questions. It was really just really lovely to reflect and chat with you and just hear about how you not that many people have read our manuscript so it's just nice to hear feedback about it and you know how you perceived it you know like, i appreciate so much that you have like followed this project for you know for years and and since those the sort of beginning just um yeah it just it just like means so much Thanks, Manahil. Uh, and uh, yeah, I remember there was also, I think you had a poem in a chapbook that was about uh, someone from folklore, from Pakistani folklore. It was it was your Battle Axe Press chapbook, I think. Uh, it was the witch in uh, Piper. Was it called Piper? I'm sorry that I'm forgetting the chapter. I think I think it was actually. Yeah, I like had yeah. a little poem about the trail and that like chapbook was out and, you know, I wrote the poem before we started this project so you know it's just an interest in in like the yeah like the figures from folklore and it's it's fun to look back and, and think about how much more I, I know about all of that now 
that, that maybe that was my first hint when I I read the chapbook. So mm-hmm. those early days. Of yeah, we didn't we didn't talk too much about the supernatural yeah. creatures, but that they were also because th- those were stories that were actually part of our childhood, yeah. and it was really interesting re exploring them because we we kind of saw them through a different lens and whether mm-hmm. it was through the project or because of just our age and you know thinking about it so for example the Tyrell is supposed to be this creature that has uh, feet that face backwards and she's hunched over and she's like long um hair and you if you walk alone on the beach at night like you'll like likely see her but we started thinking you know what like what actually created this figure of the Tyrell right like who are these women that are um in these dark abandoned spaces and you know maybe it's women who've been like kicked out of society and women who maybe like lost lost child like a male child or just things like that like the that these creatures have been created by the like kind of patriarchal mm-hmm. system that <laughs> unfortunately um is very much present in Pakistan. So yeah, that was a really like that we we didn't really delve into that, but that could be a whole other podcast about re-exploring and reimagining supernatural creatures. Yeah, that sounds really interesting too. Maybe we'll another time, maybe we'll do that. That would be great. All right. So my little note of praise here. The work of Nimr and Manahilb on the Kuala to share the folklore of Pakistan is all-encompassing and offers many different ways of approaching the stories from colorful, gorgeous art that uses elements of nature and found materials from Pakistan and Canada to the stories and the poems that give us both overviews and first-person perspectives. Folklore is the expression of cultures, and such expression is often lost over time, and often this loss is due to imperialism and colonialism. I'm grateful that Manahil and Nimra decide to share these stories with the world and the and the art. The, they are empowering works of delight, heartbreak, and beauty. So thank you. So, so thanks to Nimra and Manahil for being on the show, to Charles Earl for processing, to Jennifer Peterson for intro and outro assistance, and to all of you for listening and sharing the episodes. Stay tuned for our next episode with designer and artist Barry Tullett. Thank you for listening to The Small Machine Talks. The Small Machine Talks.